What price would you attach to the salvation that Christ has won for you? Do you love his words more than gold and silver, as we sing in today's psalm? Would you, like the characters in the Gospel today, sell all that you have in order to possess the kingdom he promises to us? If God were to grant any wish, would you follow Solomon's example in today's first reading, asking not for a long life or riches, but for wisdom to know God's ways and desire his will? These are the questions that are posed to us today. With the help of God's grace, each of us can answer all those questions. But there is always a price to be paid for the heavenly riches promised to us. That's why we need the help of grace. It is helpful to be reminded once more of the response that came to Christ when he told the gospel parables for the first time. You see, the gospel preaching was available to all. But even in the presence of God himself, in the presence of Jesus, some rejected the kingdom of God immediately. Some were indifferent to it, and some had other priorities. Christ knew that, and in his divine knowledge, he could foresee that this would be the way his words would be treated for the rest of human history. But instead of being apologetic or watering down his teaching to make it more accessible or more acceptable, he is quite direct, even confrontational. There will come a time, he says, when every person's attitude to him and his teaching will have its consequences. So he asks his first hearers, and us, will you be among those who will be saved from eternal damnation? Will you be among the good ones, gathered and kept? It's also repeating, it's also worth repeating a lesson from last Sunday's parables too. The dragnet cast into the sea does not gather only perfect specimens, but rather this net gathers every kind of fish. Because the wise and the foolish, the saint and the sinner, the rich and the poor, the strong and the weak, are called to the forgiveness of sins and the path of salvation. God desires all to be saved and never rejects any of his creatures. God predestines no one to go to hell. God does not want anyone to perish, but all to come to repentance. As we believe, so do we pray. So in the canon of the Mass, the first Eucharistic prayer, we hear, Father, accept this offering from your whole family. Grant us your peace in this life. Save us from final damnation and count us among those you have chosen. Among the many good things we must do to maintain our steps on the journey to salvation and to deepen our appreciation for what Christ has won for us, 
cultivating the virtue of prudence is paramount. Prudence is practical wisdom or sound decision-making and it's one of the most important virtues that anyone can acquire. Prudence is the ability to know what to do in any situation and to act on that knowledge. The virtue of prudence keeps your compass aligned with the direction you should be going. Solomon had enough prudence to ask God for more of it. To obey and to love God's will is great prudence. To realise that God will judge me for the good and evil I do in this life is the beginning of prudence as it will move me to repent of sins and to do good. St Thomas Aquinas identified three steps within prudence. They are counsel, judgment and decision. Counsel means to deliberate, to think carefully about what to do, to pray about it, to ask for advice and to use your intellect to try to discover the best thing to do. Counsel. Judgment means to decide from among the many possibilities what is best, meaning both what will be both both morally good and what is most likely to be effective. In some cases, the most prudent thing is to do nothing. Judgment. Decision means to take action. Based on what your reason tells you is best, you then tell your will to do it. Decision. When it comes to the moral thing to do, prudence guides our conscience. Remember, though, that your conscience does not determine what the moral principles are. What is right and what is wrong are found in the natural law and the divine revealed law, not in your conscience. In conclusion today, verse 51 and 52 of the Gospel are somewhat baffling. Who are these scribes who bring out new things and old? Well, they are the apostles, to whom Christ explains the parables And they have to bring forth for the church the treasures hidden in the Old Testament but which are made clear in the New. As Catholics, unlike some other Christians, we see that the Old Testament points forward to Christ and it is only in the light of the New Testament that we can understand the Old. so that we may find the pearl of great price, which is Christ himself, and obtain the treasure, which is the kingdom of God. We rely not just on our own efforts, and certainly not on the history of the last 50 years or so from the last council, but on the unfolding wisdom of God's interaction with mankind 
over the last five millennia or so, since God called Abraham. And even further back to that first initiative of divine self-giving, when God brought all things into existence through and for Christ. We don't just stand on our own two feet, but on the solid rock of tradition, the history of salvation. Praised be Jesus Christ.